Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Katie Cross today. Katie, welcome to the Troy Podcast. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So you actually write in two different genres, fantasy and and romance. The fantasy, and I, I really didn't research the romance, so... Uh, I apologize, but the the fantasy series, I have the network series, the Dragon Master series, and I saw on your website the historical collection, but there it said it's coming soon. Is that correct, or is that yeah, out? Yeah, so we, we just launched the first book like two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and um, about your, your series that you've written. Yeah, so I started writing when I was in kindergarten or first grade and I just always wrote and loved it. And eventually uh, after getting my bachelor's degree in nursing and working as a pediatric nurse, I married my husband in the military, kind of destroyed my nursing career. And I had to find something else to do while we were moving frequently for his training. And we were moving like every six months for a while. So I couldn't work as a nurse and I went to my fallback love of writing and I just kind of wrote this fantasy book about a witch in the woods and it was so well received and did so good that I decided to self-publish it and that was that was seven years ago um, that I, I, it was seven years ago today. Oh, oh yeah. I just realized that it's seven years ago today that I launched my first self-published book and it just kind of started growing from there. So I just kept writing books in the series and more readers came and the success came. And so for the last seven years, I've been writing fantasy. I have three series now. We just launched the first book in my third series. They all take place in the same world of Alcara. And um, I sort of stumbled into romance as like a fun side thing. I wrote in Chiclet for a while and then um, I've just moved to a more like contemporary romance as a kind of just fun I love to write it and it gives me a break from the intensity that fantasy requires of like world building and organization and when I'm so many books into my world now there's so much to keep track of that writing can sometimes be a bit more detail-oriented and laborious and so the romance is just quick and easy and and fun so I kind of write that for the people in my world that love romance and um I I just genuinely love magic and dragons and and writing so I just keep plugging out my fantasy stuff and I I think I like live the best life like I work from home I get to write books and raise my kids and live in the mountains so it's pretty cool fantastic happy anniversary by the way (laughs) thank you (laughs) I just really I can't believe I hadn't even thought of that that's so funny I like what you said like because sometimes you need a palate cleanser and that to me like what you say like romance is kind of your palate palate cleanser to take a step back and, and do something fun that you don't have to, I mean, it's still work, don't get me wrong, but something you don't have to think about as much. Yeah. I think writers, we don't have enough fun. Like we don't play enough. I think we like get caught in the plot and the character arcs and what is this and beta reading and editing. I think we just get caught up in it. We forget to have fun. And I love using romance as kind of that that outlet of, okay, I just wrote some really intense world building. I've got all this fantasy going on for like, while I take a break from that, I'm just going to go write a really fun, lighthearted romantic comedy or, you know, like something. So I'm still moving words and getting the ideas out of my head that are constantly coming in, but without such emotional expenditure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's fun. So you say you have lots of ideas in your head. How do you choose which ones to, to write and which ones to set aside? Um, slowly, 
so I I um, I live in the mountains in Colorado right now, and so I drive a lot. Like I have a five year old and a two year old, and it's forty five minutes to the nearest city, which is Fort Collins. So we have to drive around the mountain a lot, and we do a lot of hiking. So as I get a story idea, I, I normally just kind of chew on it in my head, and I as I listen to music and drive, I sort of think it out. And then I have a great team behind me. I have a team of um, three people that do weekly work with me, and then like four others that do um, not quite as intense amount of work, but they work every month, they're, they're doing stuff for me. So I have a team of seven behind me. And when I have a new idea, I'll, I'll tell my team like, hey, I'm gonna get on Zoom. Anyone who wants to resable, I wanna throw some ideas around and kind of see what you guys think. And I'm a verbal processor. So when I get a story, I need to start talking the ideas out. I can't just keep it in my head. I don't work through it as fast. So I'll just start throwing the ideas and then just hearing their feedback. And based on kind of what they're saying and, and other ideas that we pivot to, I'll kind of start forming the idea in my head and then start creating a plot out of it. And that's how good ideas usually rise and the bad ideas usually fall. Like that might be a great romance book, but not a great fantasy or no, that's just a bad idea. <laughs> like it, it kind of balances out. I actually, this is super nerdy. I created a rubric for my team so that when I throw ideas their way, uh-huh can say on a scale of one to five where they think it's at without hurting my feelings so i'll tell them like i i don't tie my feelings into ideas i need to know what you think about this idea in an honest assessment so five is really 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 good they want to see it happen one is don't ever have that idea again basically and then they can say that's a three or that's a five and i can get an idea of, of their opinion on it so that's kind of fun too so how did this team come about is it a writing group or is it just people that you've friends that you found or they're all contractors that work for me. Oh, really? So one okay. Social, yeah, one is a social media manager. Um, one is a customer service uh, manager. She, I, I do direct sales through my own store. If you go to katiecrossbooks.com, she manages any customer support stuff that comes up. And then I created a role called the title manager. I have so many books now that I can't like manage them on all of the different retailers on my own. And so I hired a a girl her name is mckenna she manages all my titles and whatever that means so if we're having sales if we need to do an audit on the different things on like kdp or drop to digital or if we created a new book she creates the ebook and paperback and and goes through and checks it so she kind of does all the production side of that stuff and then i have um two guys that do a wiki for my fantasy world they keep up with my wiki as like, I'll send them my world building document with new books and they can kind of update and monitor the wiki. And then I have two, um, two ladies that help me manage my Facebook groups, just like letting people in, making sure conversations going and people are keeping it family friendly, that kind of stuff. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. I bet you didn't think in the beginning, like, okay, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to have seven people who I, you know, help and provide jobs for and, and stuff like, so Oh, never. I would never have seen like an actual publishing career coming out of that book seven years ago. I mean, I remember like drinking a latte, like a chai latte and like watching the book sold like that first day I set it free and like talking on social media. Like I just remember like the craziness of it, just launching a book. I would never have dreamed that I had seven contractors and half a million in royalties. You know, like it's it's pretty wild how, how quickly it, that persistence can pay off. No, that's amazing. So you're, let's go back to the beginning when you when you began to write your first book. Like, how many drafts did you write? Did you write the first draft and be like, 
this was horrible. I need to rewrite it. Like, how did you go about that? Yeah. So that first book was a lot longer in, in writing because I had written a lot, but I, and I had written other books that will never see the light of day because they're pretty bad. But that book, um, I was actually on a website. It's a little bit like Wattpad. Uh, I don't even know if it still exists. Like this was nine years ago when I first got on there. It's called Fan Story. And it was where all these other authors, you could post like a chapter and other people would read and critique it. And every time you read and critiqued, you'd like get money on the website, not real money, but money. And then you could like promote your story. So more people read it. It was really good because I just got used to total strangers being dead honest on my work. Like your passive voice is really bad here. Or I wasn't really engaged in this or where's your conflict or your main character's too perfect. Or I got used to that really fast. So having those total strangers speaking into my work was awesome. And there was a prompt there one day that just said, Hey, like there's a prompt that spawned the first chapter of my book and people won this contest that I put into people loved it so much I just started doing chapter after like a chapter a day and people were it was ranked all the top like people were loving the story they knew about it and so that first draft was like every day I would just write like a thousand to two thousand words and I put it on this website and get a ton of feedback and I decide my next one so that first draft came back in a really weird way I've never ever written a book like that again and then I, at the end of it, people were like, you should really be publishing this. Like, this is really good. And so I, I like compiled it all together and I was like, okay, but what do I do now? <laughs> you know, like I have this first draft and that's when I reached out to some friends and I got a hold of like a developmental editor. So I had gone back through into like a second draft to kind of clean it up, send it to a developmental editor and there was a lot to fix. So then I went through fixing that and sent it to other beta readers. There's still more to fix. So I probably did like seven drafts of Miss Mabel's School for Girls, my first book, before I really felt like it was ready to go into the world. So it did developmental editing, line editing, and copy editing. Um, my my system now is different. I, I can write them far more efficiently because I've just learned so much about story structure and, and conflict and, you know, all of the stuff that comes with having written over 30 books. So now I typically end up publishing like a fourth draft. I have like first, second, third, and fourth pretty much pushed out. And the fourth draft is like the proofread final copy. Nice. It pays to keep going to because that proficiency happens. So yeah, well, and you, there's skills you're picking up as you do the drafts, whether you realize it or not, especially if you're getting people to speak into your writing that you trust, then it makes it it makes it faster as you like continue down your, your skill path and you learn more and you know, that kind of stuff. Well, even the novels that will never see the light of day, I'm sure you learned stuff from that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Those were probably my most powerful books because they were the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in sports, they always say you win or you learn more from losing than winning. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there are even books now that I push out that don't hit super great but I'm always grateful for that, that feedback. Cause I'm like, well, why did you like, I go really intense with my readers. Like, why didn't you like it? Can you tell me exactly what was going on for you? What was your experience? Like, what were you thinking? What was missing so that I can learn exactly what my readers are looking for when they pick up my book. Fantastic. That's awesome. In the beginning, when you're writing, um, Miss Mabel's school for girls, is that right? <laughs> yeah. You were, you said you were writing like one to 2000 words a day. Is that still kind of what you do or what's your goals now? You know, it, de it depends. I mean, you have two kids um, and a husband, so I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Running a company, I have seven people that need my my work and all that that goes into it. 
Um, so I, it just depends. Fantasy, I try to do 3,000 words a day, five days a week. So I try to do about 15,000 words a week if I'm first drafting. So like if, as I'm like putting a new story on the page, I want about 3,000 words a day. If I'm doing like a second or third draft, then I'm, I'm more in an editing mode and I can, I could do 10 to 15,000 just because I'm, I'm editing and moving and restructuring and that kind of stuff. But for romance, because in comparison, romance is so much easier to write than fantasy because it's like a contemporary setting. They can walk over to the store. They don't have to like find a goat to get cheese or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's just so much easier to be realistic. I could do like five to 7,000 words a day on romance um, because it, it, it's just so much easier for me to write. Um, there are days when I'm really in the zone. Maybe I had a babysitter or a lot of caffeine or just like the stars aligned. I can do like 10,000 words between both fantasy and romance. So I would write fantasy in the morning and then do romance in the evening. But those are not my average days. Like those are days where it's like, oh, I've got this idea and I'm driving hard because I'm super excited about it. And I just, it's flowing and I'm just pushing it out. Kind of thing. So aside from the anomaly of the 10,000 where you do in both genres, do you normally write both genres when you're um, doing first drafts in a day or do you work on a fantasy book and then take a break and work on romance? Yeah, great question. So a little of both. Um, for me, the the first draft is the hardest. I, I'm inherently a pantser. And the detail work that comes with the first draft, because I, I do plot quite a bit, that's very draining to me. Like it, it's, it's harder for me to really stick with details and, and make all the decisions that come with the first draft. So if I'm first drafting a fantasy novel, then I typically try to just stay in that like fantasy novel and then the romance can come later. But I, I at least try to separate, if I do work on both every day, I try to separate them by time. So fantasy in the morning and then I, through the day, I have the day separating that. So I kind of get out of that and then I do romance at night or vice versa. For the most part though, um, I, I, try to, I try to keep them separate if I can. So like right now, my sole focus is fantasy for, for the next probably month. Um, and then the romance I'll switch to when I need a break from fantasy. Nice. And I, I like what you said, like there's a, a writer mode and an editor mode. Mm-hmm. And as a self-published author, you have to do both. I mean, you said you, you have somebody that does editing for you, but you still have to take a look at it as well. Yeah, I think any author would. Yeah, like you just have to get it down and then f- make it perfect. You know, like it's not going to be perfect at first. You just have to get it on the paper and you can fix what, what you've put out there. Yeah, but what I, I like about indie publishing is you're in charge of your editor and you can say, you know, if they suggest something, no, I, I, this work, I like this works better. Whereas a publishing house, you might not have that ability. In fact, like I've talked to people who are like, oh man, like I didn't have the freedom. I didn't have what I thought, yeah. you know. Yeah, that, that element of control over your business is, is really an amazing, it's, it's a fantastic and a scary part of self-publishing when you have that level of control and responsibility because yeah, everything rests on you which for some personality types is just right but for others that is too daunting and i can appreciate that yeah it is daunting you know once you have a book that you have the first draft and you need to find an editor how do you find a good one that will give valuable feedback and not just take your money and say it's fine or whatever you know same with cover art like yeah. how do you find somebody that really does what your your vision um is yeah, 
it's it's hard like especially with cover design because art direction is a skill for you to be able to have something in your head and verbalize it so someone else can create that and that level of communication can be it's, it's a skill that you kind of learn over time and then there's like that trust factor because a lot of people um are editors in that they have like a good eye or they've written a lot you know like any author can be an editor but then you actually have like professionally trained editors and so you have to figure out what what path you want to be on and how you can trust them and and then find those that team and then try to keep that team because it makes it a lot, a lot easier yeah <laughs> and this has kind of been interesting as i've talked to people i've learned that there's different type of editors like there's the editor for story structure and then there's the like the line at where you look for mistakes and grammar and punctuation and stuff like that so as a new author and new writer like that's something that you have to to find you have to find kind of both in order to produce a quality book yeah, or just an editor that is trained to do all of them and you know that they have that skill, you know, because I think a lot of it, especially with developmental edits where they're looking at the story and guiding your structure instead of just your writing style, you want to know that that person knows what they're talking, genre conventions that you really need to stick to that if they aren't aware of, they could be guiding you down a path that your readers are not going to care about. So that that is that is a, a tricky aspect of self-publishing is really managing the contractors that like speak into your books. So I find this fascinating that your, um, your first book was a writing prompt and you just took off with it. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it spurred so much, right? I just saw that writing prompt and now we're like over 25 books into my career and, and all these other amazing things about to happen. So I, I think there's a, there's a sense of, just always being willing and ready to try stuff like as a writer you know like I, I never would have thought the writing prompt would lead me to here but it did and because of like persistence and and a willingness to learn like it it can all come out yeah because I, I usually ask like how what was the genesis for the story but yours was a writing prompt and I think you're the first person that has, has said that that you know people have have done writing you know um, I don't know if you listen to writing excuses with uh, yeah Brandon yeah, yeah. Um, like they always give a writing prompt and, um, people do those, but you just took it and ran with it. And you have three different series set in this world that you created from that. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty fun, um, to see it, see it grow and change through the years. If things get back to normal, are you going to be able to go anywhere? I know you just said you're, you're leaving Colorado, but do you have any conventions yeah. planned? Oh, I wish. Yeah, I wish. Um, there were a lot of conferences that I would kind of there are different conferences I'd go to regularly like with some writing ones and some business ones like entrepreneur conferences um where I kind of learn how to actually like sell my books better that um you know they've all they've all shut down I don't know when if they're coming back up but that's been a big bummer and we just my husband just got a job in Montana so in two weeks I'm packing up my kids and we're moving up there to join him so you know we live <laughs> we live in the middle of the mountains. So we have a big five acre lot. The national forest is at our fingertips for miles and miles and miles and miles. I mean, we we're just kind of in the middle of nowhere. So for me, when the pandemic first hit, I just stayed on the mountain. So my husband would pick up, like we have a click list. Like I just order online, my husband would pick it up on his way home from work. And I just managed my, my, my son's online school and my kids up here in the mountains. We had another family that was like in our COVID bubble and we would just swap kids and help take care of each other. And so we were super blessed because we weren't like 
in the thick of it. We just stayed out of the city. So we were out of people's way and we just played in the mountains. And then our house almost burned down and this huge historic Colorado fire last fall oh, while COVID man. is going on. And so it's been a pretty wild ride, but um, I, I definitely see like a light at the end of the tunnel now that, you know, vaccines are out and that kind of stuff is moving. So, so how have you stayed balanced? I mean, even before this pandemic hit, like how did you stay balanced as a, you know, as a, a mom, a wife, a, a writer? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. There's a book called The One Thing. Uh, it's by Gary Williams and, oh shoot, I forgot the other name. Anyway, it's a nonfiction business book. And there's this, there's this chapter that really spoke to me when I was reading it. And it said, there is no balance. There's only counterbalancing. So balance is, is a, a false like idea. Like there's, there's no like really balancing everything. We're, we're just counterbalancing. So maybe one day my kids get more and my business gets less, but then another day that week, my business can get more and my kids can get a little bit of less. Like if I have babysitters or, you know, like my house is super disastrous right now. Cause now we're in the middle of moving, but I'm still able to get my word count in. So it's, it's a matter of what can I let go of today? Because this other thing has to happen. I think for me, it, for managing a publishing company, writing my books and all of like my, the children that rely on me and my husband and all of that, it's just a matter of knowing the priorities and then putting them accordingly. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, asking for help. Like I tell my kids all the time, my favorite thing in the world is to get help because we love babysitters, like my in-laws, my mom, like anyone who wants to help us navigate this they're welcome. Like, come on over, you know, um, those are my two favorite. And then I just make it happen. So I, you know, with, with pandemic and everything going on, we, I lost childcare. So I had my kids home all the time and I still had deadlines I had to hit. I had pre-orders that had to be ready. Like there were things that had to happen. So I reached out to another mom that lives on the mountain with me. She has a five-year-old and a two-year-old just like me. And I said, Hey, let's sister wife. Like, I'll take your kids, you take mine. So what we've been doing for almost six months is every Monday and Wednesday, I have the four kids, the two five-year-olds are both in school, but I have responsibility for the four kids from eight to 5.30 every Monday and Wednesday. She has them from um, Tuesday to Thursday. So I'll drop my son off at the bus, drop my daughter off at her house, and then I'll just go pick them up at 5.30. That has probably been the game changer in terms of just being able to get my work done, get the words in and, and all of that. And I like what you said. Um, you know, you just have to, you have to find the way to do it. Yeah. Like anybody that wants to be an author and I've, I've talked to quite a few now, you know, some get up at four in the morning, some write at nine o'clock at night till midnight and get up for their job at five thirty in the morning. Like, Sometimes if you want something bad enough, you just have to do it. Oh yeah. It's sheer grit at this point (laughs) (laughs) with the small children, the pandemic and the fire that almost burned our house down and now moving. It's just a matter of, again, it comes back to knowing your priorities. And for me, the books are one of my priorities. I mean, my family is first, but my family also relies on my income for us to eat. So there's there's an element of just knowing those priorities and then like i said asking for help i have a team of seven behind me that serve my company so i I don't do this alone like no one could do this alone at this level so those are the permissions that when i talk to people i say give yourself permission to not do it all and then just find a way like even trying to schedule this interview right like i had all these childcare shoes pop up i had a, a storm that dumped four feet of snow 
on my driveway and my husband was gone and I was stuck inside. You know, it's like there's all this stuff that just happens that you just find a way and reprioritize. Right. So was fantasy always a genre that you wanted to write in? Or did you test other genres before you settled on fantasy? Oh, you know, it just sort of happened. Kind of like that writing prompt. I was like, you know, I think I have this story about a witch that lives in the woods. I'm just going to go with it. And it just started going. And I wasn't even super well read in the young adult fantasy genre like when I started publishing in that I just loved the story in my head so much like looking back it makes sense that I chose fantasy and it also makes sense that I like sort of play in romance as, as a fun like palette cleanser but I hadn't like it wasn't it wasn't a super deliberate this is my strength this is what I've studied I sort of just kind of went into it and I was lucky that I want to stay there because I love it so much nice that's not unusual, but um, I guess it kind of is because most of the people that I've interviewed that write in the fantasy genre, like they're they're like they started reading fantasy when they were like in fifth and sixth grade, and like it's all they devoured and tell you know they're they're that way. And maybe you did. Did you? I mean, you said you're not not at that level, not really at that level. I mean, I I had read like a lot of things like The Last Unicorn or like like your Lord of the Rings, like Harry Potter, like all of those classics I had read and loved, but I wasn't like these hardcore fantasy fanatics that I find that just ate it up and loved it. I mean, I did read it quite a bit, but I wasn't like, oh, my heart belongs to this. Like this is going to happen kind of thing. It was, it was more just like, I think the story dictated it. Like the story, Bianca is my main character. Bianca was so clear in my head and the world that I wanted her to inhabit and be challenged by was so clear in my head that the only place for it was fantasy. And now I, I reside in that world more than I ever did before because I want to stay relevant and, and make sure that it's still a powerful story that I'm telling and it reaches what my readers want. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't, I don't think that that typical course that you tend to see. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. So what are some of your other hobbies that you're able to do and do they influence your writing? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So just being outside is probably my number two. Uh, we do a lot of hiking a lot. We have three Vishlas. They're really high energy dogs. We have three of them because we're crazy. Um, we rescued one of them. Like they're just really high energy. They're really sweet, but they're kind of needy. So I really say I have five children, but they need a lot of exercise. So every day, pretty much without fail. Maybe there's like 10 days in a year spread out where we don't exercise them, but we hike them off leash in the national forest for at least an hour every day. And we haul our kids along too. So our kids, like we're outside rain or snow, right? Like the four feet of snow, whatever the dogs were outside with me. So we just spend a lot of time outside with our kids, getting our dogs exercise ourselves. My husband and I do some trail running together. Um, I like to do like CrossFit-esque kind of workouts, like, you know, Olympic weightlifting, anything that kind of gets me outside and moving. And that is really, I think, why I'm able to maintain the pace that I write at. Because a lot of people are like, you, you launch pretty books, you launch books pretty fast, like you've got this team, you know, kind of how do you do it? And I think of a lot of it is I've created a life that feeds my heart. Like I live in the mountains, I'm constantly hiking, I'm constantly outside, I'm with my kids spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time together. I have these dogs that I love and I work out in this huge garage. So the life outside of my writing fills me so that I'm always ready to like show up for my readers and write the books that they want mm -hmm. and like live. I try to live the adventures that I write about. Nice. So I think those, that lifestyle, which I, I mean, I guess they're hobbies, but it's more like a lifestyle, the way we live it 
is, is very intentional. Like it's hard to live up here because you know, you're just, it's hard to find childcare. Like you're 45 minutes from the urgent care when your finger, your son slams his finger in the door and it's broken, you know, like that kind of stuff. But to me, it's worth it because we're able to really live the lifestyle that we want to live. And I can, I can maintain the writing that I want to do. So I almost, I hope I never find out, but I can't imagine not living this lifestyle because I don't know what that would do to my company. (laughs) (laughs) Well, would my writing suffer? Like, I don't even know. No, I like what you said. Like you're very intentional Mm -hmm. and which which kind of funny because you said you're a pantser, which is kind of not intentional in a way. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because I, by nature, I'm a pantser. I just, I'm very like itchy feet, fly by the seat of my pants. Let's just try it and see what happens. Throw this out there. But by necessity, as an entrepreneur and self-publisher and business owner, I've come to understand the like deep importance of data and detail mm-hmm. and intentionality to make like the things happen in my company that I want to happen. And so over time, I've learned how to balance that need to just throw ideas into the world and be wild with it like a pantser to the stability of, of a plotter where they're actually like very intentional and specific and driven by, by certain things so that they happen the right way. So it's, it's a balance, like counterbalance kind of thing that I'm always trying to figure out. Like last night I was up at like nine or 10 o'clock at night and I was like, okay, I just had all these ideas and I was just throwing them at my team on telegram. I was like, I need you to start telling me like, here's this idea. Here's this. What do you think? Um, because I've just been very organized all day trying to plan my move. So it's like, I was so organized in one way. I just had to be crazy in another and it, it worked out fine. <laughs> when you're writing a book, being a pantser, do you have any parts that you kind of guideposts that you working towards or you kind of know where the story's going or do you just Definitely. have a character and you just want to explore what that character is doing? In the initial stages, like when I have an idea, then I'll be like, huh, Maybe I'll just kind of like roll this idea out and maybe I'll like write a few things down, but that's just that I'm just ideating the idea. When I'm, when I actually sit down to write, I have a three act structure. I have your base, your main plot points, like first pinch point, key event, signing event, midpoint, second pinch point. Like I have all of those laid out in my head and I'll have scenes in between them. But what I have found for my process and system, what's most efficient is to have the big guideposts, like the key events. So I know where the book ends. I know it's in the middle. Like I know all the big scenes, but then I don't necessarily have to know what goes in between so that I'll write the big scenes and then say, oh, well, to get from point A to point B, these things have to happen. So I'm going to do this scene and then I'll write out like a short summary of my ideas for that next scene. And then maybe the scene that follows, maybe the scene that follows. So I have like a paragraph or two. And then typically whenever I end a writing day, I have two or three more scenes plotted out very vaguely. Like this, 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 and this should happen. So that when I open my Scrivener the next day, I have the scenes ready to go. And then I just start doing the first draft and I can sort of pants. Well, they're at this cottage. What's in the cottage? What does it look like? Or... I know this character is going to be introduced here and I vaguely know that I want him to be like these descriptions, but then when I'm in the actual scene, I can kind of come up with his appearance, his, his main, like, you know, what he looks like and how he shows up in the world as a pantser would want to with like the guidance of this scene will actually matter to the story. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go off on this tangent with this scene, but I can kind of pants what's happening in the scene that has been most efficient and most fun for me. So that's, typically how I roll for the most part, though every, every project is a little different. Do you do much? I mean, 
being in a fantasy setting, you kind of have to create your own world. Like, do you do much research beforehand or are you like get to a scene and you mentioned like goat and goat's milk, like you get to a scene and you're like, okay, I don't know how cheese is made. I need to go figure out how to do it real quick. Um, I, yeah, that I let the research come to me as the scenes happen. So it's like in the, I'm writing a book called the lost magic. I'm starting a, a fourth fantasy series. All right. Like Bianca, it's like, it's the second series for my character, Bianca. I'm like bringing her back. So Bianca's like in her cottage and I was like, well, crap, like, she's got to eat something. So then I'm like, well, what is she going to eat? That makes sense for her to have on hand, just within her world and within her personality. Like, what would she kind of have on hand? And so then I was like, yeah, like, well, what kind of cheese is there? She probably wouldn't have cheddar. So, you know, I was like, ah, so you might like Google a couple of types of cheese and like, oh, that one sounds right. Like that, that fits because of X, Y, Z. And then I'll just put it in and then move on. But I don't, I don't think those things out as it goes. You don't have this. Or- hundred thousand word manuscript of your outline of everything that <laughs> I've had manuscripts that had initial outlines that were 25,000 words. Like as I've worked through the three act structure in preparation to do the first draft, uh, the book I just launched the high priestess in March, she had a Vittoria had a like 30,000 word outline that eventually went into a first draft, but definitely not for world building. It's hard because like I said, I'm not super, I'm not instinctive for details. So my poor wiki guys, they're like, can you just like write a few things down? So we don't like, it should be so much easier if we could like track a timeline. Like, oh, I don't want to like figure that out. So, but I, I do for them and it's so much easier. So now I have like a document that has like a timeline in the book and then like a few like important things like to note or just different like world building tips. Like this network is doing this at this time. And that that's helped, but it, I think I have to get over the mental obstacle of like tracking details because I just want to keep writing. <laughs> so. And and this question might be just be, you know, you just have, you turn it over your team and they do it. But like, do you go through, um, you know, a monthly thing where you're like, okay, this series is selling well, why this series isn't selling well, why, like, how can we get them? Like, what, what's oh. your process for that? Oh, absolutely. So I do that every day. <clears throat> uh, so I have every... I have, I, so I run my company off Trello. I don't know. It's just, it's like a organizational, it's like base camp or something like that. But tre- so I work off of Trello with my team and I have a list that I do every day. And it's like, I, I run a lot of Facebook ads. Um, so I check my Facebook ads. I check, uh, I have this, we have the ledger of legends that my title manager McKenna, it's this spreadsheet on Google drive. And she, there's like four different sections. It's just huge. Like the columns are in the B's and she every day like pulls data from every retailer, from all the places where we spend and push money out. And then we have this huge financial picture that I look at every single day. So I know if across all retailers and my direct sales, if we're profitable by what margin, what's our percentage ROI. So there's just a ton of like financial stuff that I look at every day. And then I have a bookkeeper that sends me weekly reports on Monday. So I can look at my overall like uh, profit and loss, my P and L um, every week. And then every month I have like the profit and loss that I go through. Uh, so yeah, I have a very um, specific picture that I look at every single day so that I can make decisions for the company based on our financial picture. So I can say, all right, this is the amount of ad spend that we're being successful at because we're seeing this return in sales, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, I think the boat that a lot of authors miss because we're just creatives, like we're just coming into this out of sheer passion and yeah. love is becoming an entrepreneur as a self-publisher and actually saying, okay, this is, this is a numbers game. 
Like if I want to market my book, I have to spend money to make money and I have to check this and this and this, and I have to try this and there's a level of risk and I kind of have to put it all together and become a business owner and a creative. And I think that's where a lot of self-publishers end up getting really frustrated because they don't want to do that. But you know, your level of success can depend. So I do have my team help me with that. Like McKenna puts the spreadsheet together every morning so that when I wake up and I have work time, then I can just look at the spreadsheet and the numbers and make the decisions. And then I, I run the advertising like through Facebook ads. Like I, I run all that. And then I can say, hey, we're going to run this sale this weekend and test. Like let's shoot a sale out like Friday at four o'clock with these offers and then see what our return on that is through our email list. And then we kind of keep the data. So later it's like, we're starting to fall into the red. We're going to stay in the black. So let's try this sale. And so we kind of, I make those decisions. I write the emails, I write the content, and then my team just pushes that stuff out for me. So once a month I get onto Google photos and I like write the content that I want in that picture. And then I just put it into a shared folder with my social media manager. And then she just schedules them. Um, so there are things that my team helps me do, but it still centers around me. Like I need to create the content. I need to look at the numbers. I need to make the decisions based on our overall cash flow and financial picture. Yeah. Which I think people have this idea of, and you kind of fit in this bit where you just sit on a beach or sit on outports, look in the, the mountains and you're just a writer or whatever, but it's hard work. And that's something that people don't realize i mean i'm sure there's some people that just put out books and don't care about sales it's just kind of a passion thing but most yeah. people want this to be a career and so they have to get good at this business side of things it's, yeah. it's kind of like the back half of of the book like this part that you don't see yeah i think a lot of what you don't see because even i put out pictures on social media of me riding on my porch and it's this gorgeous mountain scenery like that is true most of the time i'm like well, all my ads freaking tank today. And we're like way in the red and we're looking at this over here and that totally bombed. Like that book, book, bub new release didn't even make itself back. You know, like we can like, there's all of this angst that goes behind it that you don't see. That's totally normal <laughs> and also totally stressful. Like, especially if you're a new author, it's like, what do I do with all this? Like, how do I do this? And it can be really overwhelming. No, that, that's good to hear because, you know, the people that see you right on your porch in this wonderful view are like, oh, man, she's just got it made. But it is stressful and yeah. you don't realize how much hard work is is coming in the, through the back end to to make these sales, to make a living out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's I'm, I'm actually very blessed that my family relies on my income because it forces me to find solutions because I don't have the luxury of like a really, really bad month. Because I have to take, I have to bring home that money, you know? So I, I'm actually very blessed by that because it forces me into creative solutions, into listening to my team. Like I'll say, okay, this is what we need. Give me ideas. And the team will be like, well, what about the sale? Or one of my team members, Gemma was like, you should put your entire first chapter on your Facebook ad and then just a link to buy it. Cause I bought four books that way this week. And I was like, I never would have thought of that, you know? So it's like forces you to pivot and reiterate and try different things. So it's actually a blessing that that pressure sits on me because it, it makes it happen. Yeah. And it makes you, it forces you um, to look at it daily. Like it's like you yeah. said, like, you know, we're in the red right now. We need to get back in the black. Why is this happening? Like exactly. Yeah. Yep. So fantastic. Um, well, will you tell everybody how people are, will you tell people how they can get a hold of you or reach you or find your books? Yeah. So they can get Miss Mabel school for girls for free. 
just go to welcome.kcrosswriting.com forward slash welcome. You can get the book free. And then I offer the whole like five book series for like $14.99. I think it's like $24.99 on Amazon or something. It saves you like 20, 20 bucks if you bought them all individually. You can get that there on my store or just go to katiecrossbooks.com and you can see everything I've got there. And she has uh, merch too. It's not just books. Like you can go buy coffee yeah, cups or shirts. Yeah, I, or So fun. I paired with a company called Brooke and Jess um, out of Texas and they do all of our merchandise. So we have notebooks, we have mugs, we have coffee mugs, we have tumblers. Like there's a little bit of everything and it's, it's really, it's really awesome merch. So fantastic. Katie, I appreciate you getting on with me today. Yeah. Thanks Carson. This has been so fun. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.